Hi, I'm Jake Kahana, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. This time around, I am joined by Jake Kahana. He is the co-founder of Cave Day, which is a company founded to maximize focus for individuals and corporations through facilitated focus sessions training. Uh, you, you know, we're seeing more and more of these pop up. I mean, I know that within my own time crafting trust membership, we actually have focus fix sessions, which you know, there are a lot of commonalities between what Cave Day does and what we do in that aspect of the membership. But we can do a lot of other things because Jake and I have a lot of things that we're aligned with. And again, I want you to focus on this conversation because it's there's a lot of great stuff in there. The, Jake and I have known each other for a little while now. We were introduced thanks to Vanessa Tharp, and Jake spoke at the virtual, the final, as of this point, edition of the Big Ready. Um, and we got a chance to know each other, and it was time to have him on the program. So let's get to it. Here is a productive conversation with Jake Kahana. Enjoy. Jake, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I've got this lingering cold. I mean, if you want to just get right into it. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's, let's get, well, I mean, we've already done a little preamble where we talk about like cave day and all that stuff. I did that when you weren't, when you weren't paying, when you weren't here, but, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. My wife and I were talking about this the other day and I was supposed to go to a friend's house to watch, um, I think a wrestling pay-per-view or something. Mm-hmm. And they all, the day that they were going, he tested positive for COVID-19. And I told my wife, and she goes, why don't we just, like, we're at the point now where we're just going to say they're sick. Yeah. I, you know? I mean, I've, got, I've gotten tested, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's at this point for the vaccinated population, like, it's kind it's of just, the same. It, and, it is. And I think because we haven't seen anyone, you know, finally I, you know, saw some friends. Finally I went to a, a restaurant in, so indoors. Um, I'm exposed to so many people that it's just like, oh, I just have a – you know, sinus thing that's just lasted three weeks because my body's not used to it. Yeah. And I, um, and, and I think that that's what, it, what's, what's interesting is I think that, uh, and this goes directly into productivity, our attention, I think the more specific we get about something, the more we pay attention to it. So let, let me, let me phrase this. In, like, for example, uh, by telling my wife that this friend had COVID-19 it creates more specificity, which means I'm tempted to look more into what all that stuff is related to the, you know, whereas if I said sick, there's a vagueness to it that kind of loses my attention span. Like it lowers the ability to, to hold for it to hold my attention. It's kind of like when you're working on something and you say like, I'm going to be working on a book. Well, it's that, that lack of specificity, instead of saying, I'm going to work on chapter one of my book, or I'm going to work on this part of my book. I think it, it it'll, it, decreases your ability to focus and give it attention because of the vagueness or broadness. Does that make sense to you? Totally. And I'll, I'll add on to that, which is like, when you're not clear about what you're working on, you often, I, I, I won't put it on you. I'll put it on me. When I'm not clear about what I'm working on, I, I'll, I'll work on that project, that book, the presentation or whatever. And then when the time is up, you know, I have to go get my kids or whatever. Um, I have to, I feel guilty. I'm like, oh, I didn't finish the thing because I said I was going to work on the presentation and my brain just says, well, did you finish the presentation? Well, no, that that takes weeks. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into it. And so, okay, well, now I got to work tonight. Now I got to work this weekend because I didn't say, let me just do the outline. Let me just do the first five slides. Let me just, you know, v, you know, the, the specificity helps create a boundary that says I- I'm done. Like yeah. I finished that task. And yeah. That, and, you know, and, and I think that's work. Sur- 
that's subjective too. You even just brought it up for me. Like, so for example, if I'm working on a presentation and you're working on a presentation, when I say I'm going to work on the bullet points for the presentation. So that's a little bit more specific Mm -hmm. Um, where you could say, I'm going to work on, you know, the slides for this presentation. Those are two very different things. And I may not have to say like, I'm going to work on the slides. I might say, I'm going to work on the slide deck, which is still the same thing, right? But it's just phrased differently. But the way it resonates with me versus the way it resonates with you. And by the way, you might even be able to say that too. But again, that, that ability, while the objective work, like we need to finish a presentation is still very objective. You want the way we approach it and the way that I think we need to approach it has to be subjective. Like I can't tell someone when someone says, Oh, can you help me break down this project? I'm going to ask them, well, how, how many times have you done the project? Like there has to be other questions before you can go, okay, well, here's what I would do. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's the difference between like a good coach and, you know, someone putting out content online, you know, writing a blog. If I'm writing a blog about how do you break down a project, I'm speaking from my own experience, but you know, you, you do coaching. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, and so it comes with that specificity of, of the subjective approach. Yeah. And, and, and I, I received an email the other day from someone, we all learn differently too. We all, we all take in things differently. I had somebody email me about the daily driver going, I really wish that there were pictures to go with this. And part of me is like, and I agree. I'm like, okay, that would be a good idea. But I'm like, well, you have the thing, you have the thing in your hand, which is fine. It's just, again, there's a, a lack of experience with it that by creating another you know, kind of visual or, or, um, you know, way to approach it, it fosters, it galvanizes it, right? Like it galvanizes whatever it is, whether it's the thing you're working on, like the task, the project, what have you. I think that that that's beneficial too, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we see that all the time in at cave day and people trying to rethink how they work and, and yeah, it, the specificity let's, first. Yeah. Let's get into cave day because um, yeah. when people think about it, uh, I mean, I know what it is. Obviously, you know what it is. But for so someone listening right now going, what the hell is a cave day? Um, this is where I think you, that specificity would be helpful for them. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so it's essentially facilitated focus sessions that are led online. The way that I've explained it, you know, as I said, I've, I've started to see a lot more people in person re- recently and they're like, you know, what do you do? And what do you, and now I have to tell them like, I run a, it's somewhere between virtual uh, co-working, um, which is not totally I- exactly what, what it is. And, and uh, I'll also pitch it as Peloton for work. I'll say, look, Peloton's got a schedule you want to sign up for a class and you want a trainer to come push you and work harder and you want a class and, you know, a group of, of people around you to put, you know, have that social energy, like positive peer pressure. Okay. Well, you sign up for a Peloton, but that's what a cave is. It's, it's essentially a, a session of time facilitated by an expert where you're surrounded by a group of people that guides you through doing better work than you could do on your own. Now, is it, for those that are unfamiliar with that, is there, there's a structure to it, obviously, but is it, is it, um, <clears throat> so I've done, we have focus fix sessions in, in side of time crafting trust okay. and I'm there for most of them, if not all like, you know, the bulk of them, but sure. it's, it's just, they're very loose in terms of, I don't say like, here's how we're, what we're going to do today and stuff. It's more along the lines of, okay, it's a 25 minute period. 
What are you going to work on? And then the accountability is just because they're in that focus fix. We all know what they're working on. And then at the end, I say, well, how'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do? Very far more, <laughs> I mean, laissez, you know, laissez-faire about it. Like not, not in terms of cave days, there's more structure to it than that, right? Um, slightly, but, but there's broadly the same structure. It's a check-in. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a five-minute, you know, a rough five-minute uh, check-in, which is usually doing breakout rooms. You're sharing, what are you working on? Your name and location. We usually ask another we call it like a micro vulnerability question. It, it it started as like, we just want to understand that we're going through the same thing that the other people around us are going through. So it's usually, you know, what are you leaving out of the cave today? Oh, I'm, I'm struggling with perfectionism today. I'm struggling with just like getting the bad version down, um, you know, something like that. So there's a check-in and the facilitator, we call our facilitators cave guides, will present a theme. It's a way for us to make every cave feel a little bit different. It's a way for us to teach a little bit of something. So I might go as straight on as today's theme is monotasking. We're going to practice monotasking instead of multitasking. There was a a great email thread back and forth with some of our facilitators that uh, we had a facilitator yesterday do a themed cave that was Bridgerton. Um, It was just like he dressed up in, you know, Victorian gear and and each of the breaks. So, each of the breaks was themed the same. So I, that brings us to breaks, which is every session has facilitated breaks every 45 to 52 minutes, which is the research that we've found. Your brain can focus that long before it needs a break. We do social breaks and physical breaks. Meet someone, have a conversation, you know, on topic. Our, our facilitator will ask you a question or let's all stretch together. Let's do a fun physical activity. Usually it's one of those. And then we end similarly which is, um, what'd you get done? Usually that, and, and the, the science behind that is essentially when we don't check our phones, we don't check our emails for a long time. Our brain, which has been, we, we are training it to check, you know, every three minutes or less that it gets a hit of dopamine. It feels good to refresh your newsfeed and open your email and see that new information. And so when you don't do that, and we're training ourselves not to in the cave, that we need that hit of dopamine. We need to feel good about what we're doing. So when we share our accomplishments, we share our wins, you know, we give a round of applause, we give a high five to the camera. Those things can help feel connected and feel good and get that dopamine that we miss when we don't check our emails. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. 
Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. So when you start a business, most entrepreneurs start a business with a pain point that they have. They are solving a problem that they have. And then hopefully, and if you've done the right kind of research and, and you've, it's not just your problem. It's a problem and you're like, oh, I can fill this gap. Yes. Yeah. So my question for you is, this must have been, like, how did you decide, like, okay, this isn't just something I need to do. This is something I need to do for others. Was it as was it as straight a line as that, or was it very much like, a, I'm going to do these things. Oh, wait, others might need this as well. Um, it was pretty straight. Like, like you know, so um, without getting into the whole backstory of how we started, it was me and two co-founders, my, my friends and now co-founders, Molly Sonstang and Jeremy Redleaf. And we were just, we, we were, we, we became friends in the summer of 2016. And we started talking about side projects that we're working on. And we're like, well, I, I'm working on the weekend. What are you doing on Saturday? I'm working on, you know, we each had like little side projects. Jeremy's a filmmaker. Molly's an event producer. My background is in advertising and branding. And we all have dabbled in community building. And we said, well, let's do something. Let's make something, right? Like, let's let's work together. Let's let's bring all of our friends together and, and do the work that we were going to do anyway at home by ourselves together. And so we tried to elevate that experience. You know, my background in branding was like, let's create something memorable and this idea of cave day and the metaphors and how that pervades the, the methodology is it was what I did. And I mean, we all work together. Molly's background in event production was about how do we create something that feels magical and, and special, like you're, you're entering a transformational space. And Jeremy's background in like community building and, you know, also events and uh, was just like, let's let's make something. And so that's where Cave Day started. And we ran one event. We sold tickets as like, hey, this is our own side project. Let's make money trying to do this. But we we had no intention of starting a business. And we made 300 bucks each or something. And it was like, that, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Let's do it again. And we did it again a month or two later. And um, some of the, one of the person, one, one person that showed up to the cave was a journalist and he ended up writing about his experience and he published it in fast company, he, like submitted it and it got published in fast company as like the future of work. 
Um, and they called us productivity nannies because we were like taking your phone at <laughs> I the remember door. That. I remember that um, article. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. So um, it was sort of like, oh, we hit on something that it's getting published that we sold out two events and we just sort of built it on the side. I mean, honestly, I can mm. try to tell you and your listeners, like Cave Day was a v- very much a side business for me. It was like 10, 15% of my income until... September of last year, like in the last six months. Um, and then, you know, the, we grew in the pandemic. We shifted to be a, a remote only company and went global. And now this is, this is my full-time job. Okay. So I'm going to shift gears here and yeah. ask you, um, you were doing other stuff before mm-hmm. Cave Day. Oh. Uh, what was the hardest of those things to let go of? That's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll say like, I'm still struggling with it because it, it feels relatively new that I'm, um, you know, full time on cave day, that this is my job, that, that it's not just this like side business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, freelance design work. Um, I, I think I, I, I've, I've done freelance design work since I was in college, you know, like it's like almost half of my life. I've been a freelance designer and, you know, I've done graphic design and branding and product design. And, and I, don't, I don't know that my my co-founders know this right now, but like I took on a little side project right now. Like I'm working on a client right now that came to me and was like, can you do this thing? It's probably like five hours a week for the next two months. And I was like, I can squeeze that in. It's just a really hard thing to let go. And I think why it's so hard, I'm, I'm still unpacking this. This is thanks for opening up this therapy session. Um <laughs> I think part of it is is that um, there's a security net. Like I know that hey, if Cave Day failed and went under, you know, went on a business or whatever, that like oh, I can go get a design job. I can go get a job as a creative director or something. And if I get rid of that part of me, and and I understand it's like not fully getting rid of it, but if I you know scratch that off of my personal business card, which I don't have a business card, but you know metaphorically. Yep. Uh, that it becomes, well, I don't know what comes after cave day. I don't know what I'm, I don't have a title. I'm just entrepreneur. I'm just business owner. I'm, you know, and, and I don't know what job comes next. And that feels scary. And I've had long conversations with several other friends who have, you know, left a more corporate job to run their own things or build their own things. And the, the truth that is hard to like fully embrace for me, I think is that while those doors are closing, I'm never going to go back to work at an ad agency in the same way, that there are new doors that I can't see right now that are opening. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot more work in learning and development. I'm doing a lot more work in coaching and, you know, personal development and um, yeah. And just the world of productivity. Like I don't, I'm not entirely sure what is out there. And also I'm not even looking for a job. Like I'm focused too much on, on ahead instead of right where I'm at. You know, it's funny. We were talking about this um, before we hit record. And uh, I, you know, having podcasts recorded, because as you mentioned, you know, like it's been only a few months. Well, by the time this airs, it'll have been a year since you made Cave Day full time, right? So for me, the idea of letting go of the comfort and certainty of doing conversations regularly, like flooding my Wednesdays, because it's my theme day. Wednesday's my media day. 
But media isn't just audio, it's video too. And I'm trying to get better with YouTube. And hopefully by the time this airs, people are like, yeah, Mike's been publishing a video a week and they're getting better and better and better. But it's the uncertainty of it. <clears throat> and and it's that that comfort that can turn into complacency if you're not careful, right? And I'm not saying that I'm phoning in podcast interviews. If anything, if anything, I'm having better conversations because I'm almost immersing myself deeper in that pool because there's that other pool that, looks kind of scary and I don't know what it is. And, and, um, but I know it's the pool that I should be in. Right. And yeah. it's the same thing that you're just talking about, like taking on that side job. And, and what, what, what's interesting is, is for me, and it was really hard to do this is I have a, we have a gatekeeping system here for the podcast, right? So we have people that ask to be on the show and this is a lot of inside baseball stuff, but again, this is why we have conversations. Um, one is um, this is a pass. It's not a good fit for the show. The second is, um, not right now, but here, oh, sorry, we'd like you to be on the show. Here's a link, book the the latest time, like book, yeah. here you go, book a time. Uh, you may have to go a few months down the line to get one. But then there's the third category, and that's the one that that can get me, which is the, um, hi, this is Brene Brown's people, and I'm being, I'm using this as an example. And she's got a new book coming out, and she'd like to be on your show. That's the hard one, because it's so like, oh no, what will she ever want to be on the show again? Or right. and so I I remember dictating the the SOP for this, the standard operating procedure to my assistant, going, here's what you when you give this is answer one, which is a pass. This is answer two, which is a here's the link. But answer three was always and I'm literally dictating, well, so don't say not right now. What we should do is this, and it, it was like this long dictated diatribe <laughs> into drafts to which I'm talking my way through the whole, wait a minute. But if I say no now, then by the, if I focus on the thing that's important, the podcast will get more listeners, which means it'll be more valuable to them later. So maybe it's the thing that, you know what, Never mind. Just say, not, we, Mike's busy right now, but let's go back. We'll circle back with you instead of you booking the link. So it's, it's, the, it's a different answer. So instead of interrupting the flow, instead of saying yes to that thing that I'm comfortable with, it's still a no but it's now the onus is on us to circle back, yeah. right? So that's the way I've kind of circumvented this. To to that end, the reason I want to I want to ask this is you took on that part time five hour thing. It's it seems like it's the I want to keep my toe in because I don't know what's next. What would it feel like if you just cut it off? What if you said like, hey, no? And by the way, you could say no without saying nope, bye. You could say like, I'm not doing this, but here's other people that you might want to consider. So right. you're not, you're, you're being helpful and altruistic at the same time, not just altruistic then, but altruistic to yourself for the things. Cause the only way cave day is going to grow is if you're spending time fostering sure. that. And every time you take something else on, it's, it's amazing that the, the things you have to leave behind. Right. Totally. It's so funny how you just, you went into coaching mode. You're like coaching me through like, what would this feel like for you? <laughs> but I coached myself uh, first. Like that's the no, other thing too. You have to do it yourself. Yeah. And, and I don't think I am a good coach to myself. I think I'm uh, uh, operating a little bit from a, a scarcity mentality and not until I like step back or finish a project. And, you know, I, I have a pretty good self-analysis process where after a project, after every week, I sort of evaluate how did it go? What were the highs and lows? What would I do differently? You know, it, I mean, it's a short process, but it's it's regular. Um, I, I forgot where I was going, but the, the way that that would feel would, would be definitely uncomfortable. Um, you know, when I think about, like, why am I taking on this job? Like, the money is okay. The money, you know, it's sure. like partially money. 
the the other side of it is like there is a part of me that wants a different career path that like is holding on so i'm i'm working with an uh, a design agency that works exclusively with like cultural institutions. So I've I've been doing projects with them for like three years and I've worked on a museum and I've worked at a children's hospital designing a custom installation. Like it's really cool work. Um, and this is for a museum in New York that's like, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool, but it's like not for my portfolio. It's not even really for my resume. It's essentially just like- Feed the soul. Yeah, well, to feed the part of the soul that like wants to go do this kind of work forever when I think the reality of- what I what I really want, if I wanted to embrace it, would be like, yeah, I want Cave Day to be super successful, and I want to and success in our own terms, right? To like right. have have a sustainable lifestyle business that allows me to take time off and run a community when I want, and dip in and out and try new things. We just I know it's going to come out in September, but um, we just finished yesterday a seven week training program, like seven workshops, seven skills over seven weeks that I've been building for over a year that has been something that I've, I've wanted to create a big training program. And I did it and we did it. And we, you know, we sold 75 tickets and it was a success on our terms. And it was, it was great. So yeah, um, I think maybe I needed that little push. And I also want to make one comment, which is when you were talking about your prioritization and having better conversations my brain says, well, okay, what does a better conversation mean? Which, which I do want to ask, but, sure. but as you were talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the three options for your, your the, the SOP to your assistant, that was what makes a good conversation to me. The, the way you were describing that, which is like, I don't, I don't exactly know how I think or, or what my, what I feel about this topic, but having a conversation allows me to talk through the idea, to listen to somebody else's opinion, to hear how the words coming out of my mouth are being formulated and to be received by you. And then to come to a new idea, to like sort of formulate a a new idea is maybe a a good, for me, a good definition of what it means to have better conversations. What about for you? No, and and I, I think for better conversations for me, it's like, that that process actually, as we're recording this, we had a office hours. Uh, we have the office hours first Tuesday of every month in Time Crafting Trust, and so one of the things I did. This actually is really interestingly tied to the podcast. Is I interviewed Daniel Coyle, who was on that podcast. I'll link to that episode in the show notes because that episode already came out. Uh, and that that would be an example of somebody who I said yes to before I created this SOP to say, oh wait, hold sure. up, hold up, hold up. But there's this. Um, he talks about the three line email in his book, which is not his idea, but he presents it as um, a, a playbook strategy in the culture playbook. Mm-hmm. And the three line email basically says like, what am I doing? Which, what am I doing that I should keep doing that's helping you? What do you wish I would do more frequently that would be beneficial? And I'm, and I'm butchering these sentences, but they're basically the, – and then the third is how do I make you more effective? So I brought those questions to the office hours because I feel like I'm not giving as much to that time crafting trust that what they need, not what – I mean I'm, I'm going through the story brand platform with Donald Miller right now, Donald Miller's okay. book. So – I'm getting the, I'm trying to recalibrate and, and recombobulate, I guess. <laughs> and, and the great thing is I got feedback from those people about, and that to me was a, was a deep conversation because what it, uh, 
the, I think the definition to a, a conversation that is deep for me is to have that, you talked about micro vulnerabilities to yeah. be vulnerable. Like yeah. I don't have to tell anybody listening to this right now, what my process is for podcast guests. But, and by doing that, that is a, a, a vulnerability take. Like I'm saying like, okay, but I'm also, I think having this, inf- if someone's listening to this, like I want to be on the podcast. I'm like, okay, I might need to ask Mike what a good fit is. Like, how do I get to step two or step three? Um, but also it, what, what it allows me to do by, by doing less stuff and, and really focusing and tossing aside some of the side stuff, which I've been getting much better at lately, follow, like kind of listening to my, eating my own dog food is doing things like reading the books. Like I, I would read the books, but I wouldn't necessarily have a workflow in place that would allow me to highlight the books for podcast interviews. So I could go and say, Oh, I can now bring this to this author who now appreciates the fact that I read the book because I guarantee you that a lot of the people that they talk to, um, have, I mean, you said, I'm not going to get into the origin story of cave day. I could have started off this conversation with, Hey, Jake, <laughs> tell me, tell me, how did you start cave day? What's the, and I can't tell you how many times I get people asking me, so tell me how you got started in productivity. I'm like, okay, well, how do I tell the story differently this time than I did in the past? So I'd rather talk to you about the, the, the technical screw ups that we had with the last guest that I tried to interview. I'd, and, and how do I attenuate that to our conversation now? So to me, deeper conversations are, I need to go in with more understanding, not necessarily more knowledge, but more understanding about who I'm speaking with. And then from there, opening myself up to learning along the way uh, and being, and being, uh, being vulnerable at the same time, because I think like that's where doors open up. And, and I, 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 I'm not, I'm reading this book right now called against empathy by Paul Bloom. So when I mentioned Brene Brown earlier, she talks about vulnerability all the time, but empathy yeah. comes up a lot. And what I'm learning from this book uh, from Paul Bloom is that empathy, he's not against empathy, but he's against it being like the measuring stick for every single thing we do because empathy can be used for good or for not so good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas compassion is a bit more. And so I want to be able to have more compassion in my life, which again, helps me have these deeper connections, which then again leads to to deeper conversations. It's nice how we kind of turn it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting how we turned it. So that it became a, a conversation that I get to uh, answer as opposed to, cause that's another thing for, for a while, Jake, I would get people, some of the, uh, the YouTube or the um, iTunes or Apple podcasts uh, reviews were, I wish Mike would let the guests talk. And initially <laughs> I took that as an affront. I'd be like, wait a minute. I'm the constant on this show, so you should be willing to hear me. But I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. That's not a deep conversation. That becomes like Mike just pontificating. and t- I mean, I got a chance to do that just now. But in most cases, I've gotten better at just saying, okay, let the guest go. Yeah. I don't need to interject every single time. Uh, you know what? You know what's kind of interesting? I, re- I remember hearing a story uh, – not a story, sorry. Uh, uh, a mentor of mine a long time ago once told me like, you know, all of the late night hosts – have the same guests come through, right? You, you know, Tom Cruise is doing a movie, he goes to the, le- the Late Show and the Tonight Show and then blah, blah, blah. And so the reason that one show has a following and not the other, you know, my mom is loves Jimmy Fallon and hates Jimmy Kimmel. You know, like, it's the same thing, you know, it's, it's some, you know, gimmicky night, like late night show. And and so, so the, my mentor was saying that he, um, 
that the reason that you have a following is because you're asking better questions. You're having better conversations that people want to listen to. And the kinds of questions that, you know, Jimmy Kimmel asks doesn't attract my mom and Jimmy Fallon asks better questions and has more fun and does more interesting things. And, and you know, that everyone's got their own style, but, but to me, there's something about, yes, you're the, you're the consistent element here, but if you're having bad conversation, you know, you're asking superficial questions or you're getting me to a- answer the same thing that I've answered 50,000 times on every interview or, you know, conversation I've had. What's the origin of cave day? You know, it's about asking better questions that lead to better conversations. Which leads me to another question. You brought something up. Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon. Did you see the April Fool's prank that they pu- pulled I this did. year? I did. I did. Okay. I, mean, I, I hadn't heard about it. And then my mom was like, you got to check it out. And there are, you know, my, I don't always trust my mom with media, but um, there are a few things that, you know, when she raves about it, when I can hear it in her voice, it's like, it was so smart. She, how did she react to that then? Because that's interesting because she's so a pattern break. Cause that's what that was. It's a yeah. huge pattern break for her to go. I like watching Jimmy Fallon. Oh wait, Jimmy Kimmel's hosting Jimmy Fallon tonight. Did she go screw that? I'm turning it to the Kimmel yeah, show because so she she didn't stick with with Kimmel. She actually went to Fallon on Kimmel's show. Exactly. She followed Fallon and she was like, oh, that's so brilliant. She she you know she felt I don't know that this is a word, but she felt like gotcha. She felt had, um, and and the cleverness sort of you know was was a good thing for her, but. Um, yeah, I, uh, I thought it was really smart. And, you know, six months from now when this comes out, it'll be like, what happened? They switched yeah, shows. Well, that's just it. The April Fool's there'll, there'll be a link in the show notes. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so so, to that end, actually, you know, um, that took two years for them to put together. Right. right. That's, a long, that's a long play, a long con, basically, like to set up one moment for the payoff. So when you're thinking about Cave Day – and you're looking two years down the road, you know, what you're setting in motion now. Do you, do, do you tend to spend more time with cave day thinking long-term or are you focused on the present? Like where does your mind go with this so that you can either a have this monumental thing that shows up two years that maybe people didn't expect, or are you like, where do you spend your time as the, the entrepreneur as opposed to like, say the employee in this situation? Yeah. I'd say that I'm a big picture thinker. Like, especially compared to my partners, I'm, I'm the one uh, sort of in that, like I'm the dreamer. I'm like, what, what could we do three years from now, five years from now? We're sort of, I'm throwing around ideas about um, cave camp that we're, how do we like an annual thing where we gather all the people together. That's going to take probably two years to think about and put together and try out, you know, smaller in-person stuff. Um, There's a lot that, you know, cave camp just being one of them. And then, like retreats and um, even the idea of like being a company that I don't touch. Like I just, you know, it sort of runs itself. Like what would it look like to hire a team that runs it? And that, you know, I like even that is the kinds of conversations that I'm starting. Um, and, and my partners are much more detail oriented and operational mindset uh, so that they're like, okay, well, we need to implement the systems and we got to think about now, what are we doing? And, um, and, and on that note, you know, the three of us work very well together to navigate the, the big picture stuff and then the day to day. And um, we're having other conversations now about um, 
what can we do for our staff? Like, you know, we're, we have a staff of 45 facilitators that are all 1099, you know, independent contractors that, what would it look like if we were able to give benefits or time off or, you know, parental leave or things that like make us a different kind of company. We're not just this little side business side hustle for these people, but it's like, I work at cave day and, um, I think there's something exciting about the same way that it, that Cave Day has leveled up in my life, you know, gone from this little side project to a, a job to my career, um, that it could do the same thing for the the people that we hired. And um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm, oh, I'm definitely much more of a big big picture, long term thinker. How does that make you feel to think about those things like the 1099s, like the bigger like? especially considering where it came from, like, how does that, what's the feelings that well up? You mentioned excitement, but uh, again, to channel Brene Brown, their excitement and anxiety are both the exact same feeling just presented differently. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a, an immense sense of pride. Um, and like, Hey, this little thing that I like, we did this, we made this, like every decision we've made, every hard conversation. And we've, we've had a lot, um, along the way, like have gotten us here and like, we could, we could keep going. Um, I had a great conversation with my, my partner, one of the, one of the partners yesterday, uh, Jeremy. And he, he was like telling me about, uh, he, he had this insight that, um, when you get married, that when you have a fight, the stakes are much lower than before you were married. Right. But when you're just dating somebody, when you get in a fight, it's like, they could walk out on me. That's scary. But when you're married, it's like, we're committed. So I, the stakes are low to bring up something that's bothering you and to get into it a little bit uh, because it's not like it's going to end. And so we got into something yesterday that was like sort of annoying us both for like a week. And we were just going back and forth. And and, and he was like, look, I just, I, let's let's hit it straight. And I we had this like really not emotional, but definitely vulnerable and, and open conversation about how we feel about each other and what triggers us. And when you do this, it makes me feel like it was, it was great. Um, and so what I often say um, is that being working at cave day with these two founders and friends of mine um, makes me better in my life. Like I'm better in my marriage. I'm better with my kids. I'm better with my friends. Um, and so yeah, there's there's pride. There's um, uh, yes, anxiety and excitement. Um, there's like a a little bit of fear, like fear of the unknown. I don't know what comes next, and um, like oh, if we do that, if you know, if we become a company with benefits, now we got to pay taxes differently, and I don't know, do we have, like all this stuff that like I don't want to deal with that, but. We've said that every time, you know, what happens if we just go remote? What happens when we hire some, you know, for a year and a half, it was just the three of us running everything. And then Molly and I had kids around the same time. We had to hire someone to take over, you know, to run some of these caves. And that was a scary thing. And, um, you know, it's not like fear goes away. It's just fear changes as you get more experienced. Jake, this has been a great conversation. Um, in order to stay deep, we won't go too wide because we sure. also uh, – but um, people want to learn more about Cave Day. They want to spend time in a cave. How can, they, how can they do that and where can they keep up with you? 
You can definitely check out more at caveday.org. I'll, um, we usually give out a free week trial if you go to the website, but um, I'll create a new link right now. I'll say creative, uh, sorry, caveday.org slash productivityist. Uh, you'll get a free month. That's excellent. That's excellent. And uh, where can they keep up with you if they want to like, hey, I want to have, I want to see what other conversations Jake has outside of this one. Yeah, jakekahana.com. Uh, that's K-A-H-A-N-A, jakekahana.com. Jake, thanks for having a productive conversation with me today. Thanks for having me, Mike. This is great. Big thanks to Jake. Again, you can find out everything that we talked about, links to everything that we kind of found relevant. Go to productivityist.com slash podcast 435 to make that happen. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode, you can do that right from there as well, as well as in the podcast app you might be using right now. Another way to support the show is to go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors, including the sponsors you heard during our conversation today. There are a few others there that you might want to check out as well. Next week, we're back into the vault with a, a gentleman who's probably been on the podcast more than anybody else, not just this one, but all of my previous podcasts. In fact, as I'm recording this, we just had a conversation a little over a week ago. It's my friend Patrick Roan returning to the program um, in, in it as much as it's a vault episode. So we're bringing this one back to the forefront. Don't miss that conversation. Patrick and I always have great ones. So make sure you're here for that. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.